Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Hello, welcome. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. I'm your co-host, Bill Lou, and today I'm joined with Pastor Lydia, who is the co-founder of 180 Church, pastor of Transformation, and wife to Dr. Sammy. And we're concluding our spiritual bubble series with reimagining revival. And for those of us that might be familiar with what revivals are, or those of us who aren't, um, the sermon really expounds on what renewal really looks like through the power of the Holy Spirit in gospel witness. And as much as there is a lot to that little statement, um, Dr. Sammy and this conversation really unpacks what it means to be engaged with God's mission and why we can derive fulfillment from being aligned with what God is doing for um, the sake of others out of love. And so along with the Lent season and how we can be fulfilled uh, with God, um, this conversation is a great way to conclude our series. And so without further ado, here's Dr. Sammy. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. So in high school, I experienced the strangest thing. I went to a friend's house, and it's the first time... um, I experienced something like this, and maybe some of you have too. Now I understand as what we call compulsive hoarding, or as hoarding disorder. But as soon as I walked into the house, there were papers in bags and receipts, documents obstructing the bathroom, the living room, and the kitchen. Something like this, and uh, let's put that picture up there of hoarding, excessive hoarding. And my friend was sort of oblivious to living in this dysfunction. Because for him, it was normal. For me, I was astounded. I wanted to get out of there. I thought, man, this is a cycle. And, um, but for him, it's completely normal. And uh, obviously, it's a hoarding disorder. Um, people have it. And you've seen this phenomenology, sort of phenomenon, take place. And uh, this disorder being diagnosed now. But in many ways, it's a good picture of what has happened in the church. The church has become relentless in spiritual hoarding, excessive hoarding, in gathering people inside of the church rather than sending people outside of it. If we're going to gather, we need to invite people who are what? Far from God. But a lot of times, the church today is insensibly obsessed with gaining more information. There are conferences um, all throughout the day, prophetic conferences, leadership conferences, and I'm not against conferences, but we have these meetings. And a lot of times from the charismania lens that we talked about last week, there are meetings of meetings of, of, of so-called revivals that are supposed to prophesy about what will happen in the next meeting or hoarding this information, and we need more information and more information. There's even language about being spiritually fed at church. I need to eat, that's why I go to this church. I'm spiritually nourished by this church. 
Um, why do you why do you need to be spiritually fed? Well, I need to live. But what happens when you keep eating and eating and eating, hoarding and hoarding? You get fat. You get spiritually lazy. And so, this is a good picture. And everybody in the church thinks this is normal. Just like when I visited my friend, he thought it was this dysfunction. <laughs> they thought it was normal. What does Jesus say in the New Testament? When the, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The Holy Spirit doesn't bring revival in the walls of the church so that it feels good or it confirms things for us. No, no, no. Jesus said that the Spirit will come upon you and you shall receive power to be my witnesses. That Greek word witness is a martyr. To what? Explicitly move to these geographic locations. The whole domain of human existence, right? To make disciples of all nations. And, but what has happened to the church? It's become a place where we sit down rather than versus being sent out to make disciples. And now we're obsessed with meetings and not mission. Maintenance over the, the CO day. And a lot of times our resources goes to simply maintenance, not kingdom expansion. And we become obsessed, therefore, with what we do at these meetings. Not the outcome of those meetings, but what we do. And so Robert Mulholland says this. I want you to pay attention to what he says. Often our spiritual quest becomes a search for the right technique, the proper method, the perfect program that can immediately deliver desired results of spiritual maturity and wholeness. Or we try to create the atmosphere for the right spiritual moment, that perfect setting in which God can touch us into instantaneous wholeness. If we only can find the right trick, the right book, or the right guru, go to the right retreat, hear the right sermon, instantly we'll be transformed into a new person and a new level of spirituality and wholeness. Here it is. Like I said last week, when we focus, what? For years and years, only inward, and we don't take what we learned and take it to the world, be witnesses of the gospel, and take it on God's mission, we become weird. That's what happened to QAnon. That's what happened to many charismatic fringes. They become a bit weird. And in 180, we don't mind being fools for Christ, but we don't want to become weird simply for the sake of an esoteric way of understanding God. No, if you're the one with the only revelation that you received from God, there's probably a reason for that. It's not in the Bible. It's probably heresy. We don't want to be original or special. We simply want to follow Scripture. And so... Here is how we, again, resist charismania. We have to learn the biblical precedent when the Holy Spirit moves. That's why today we want to talk about not more meetings, but mission. How we preach and take this whole gospel to the whole world. So that's the question we want to answer today. To resist charismania and being deceived and see the power of God move. And the biblical question really is, when does the power of the Holy Spirit really show up? In meetings? Or when we're sent? There's a precedent then and there 
is when we are sent, the Spirit's power shows up. Not when we keep meeting. A lot of times when we keep meeting over and over again about our own selves, a prosaic, neurotic, rational, the voices of rationalism takes over and we hear what we want to hear. But when God speaks, lives change all around the world, in our lives, in us and through us. So let's go to the scriptures and answer that question. Hello, today's scripture is from the book of Acts, chapter 10, verses 34 through 48. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witness of, witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jer Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. And this is the word of the Lord. Amen. So in the beginning, we asked a question. To understand the biblical precedent, then and there, and apply it to here and now, not allow our experience to form our spiritual practice or our doctrine of ecclesiology, the doctrine of the church, but allow the New Testament, allow the apostles to do that. The first thing we learn when the Spirit's power comes is when the church begins to hoard the gospel. So this is where a lot of people confuse revival. A lot of people believe <laughs> revival is something that God does to move the church to something. But a lot of times that something is vague. When I was in high school, a lot of people take the word revival so lightly. Hey, do you want to come to my revival this Friday? And it was like almost every Friday, a church, a Korean church, an Asian church, had a revival meeting. See, revival is an outcome, cannot be an admission. You cannot, you cannot call something, you attend a revival. But that's sort of what happened in the church. So, look at the biblical precedent here. I want to go back a few verses to verse 24, Acts 29. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Now, catch that. Cornelius, right, had a vision of an angel telling him to call Peter. 
So what? He calls his close friends and relatives. Why? Because he wants to hear the gospel. He wants to hear what's so paramount, what's so important. So this meeting doesn't have to do with esoteric prophetic themes or signs even. It simply has to do with the kerygma, which is the declaration of Jesus, the gospel. Very important to understand. But if you see this um, in verse 27, as he was talking with them, he went in and found many persons gathered. This is Peter. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate or visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then, why have you sent for me, right? <clears throat> so in this definition, let's correct the heretical definition of revival to the biblical definition then and there. When does the Holy Spirit move? Peter resisted going outside of his four walls, even though Jesus already commissioned him to go to the, all the nations. Jesus actually specifically told him in Matthew 28 and Acts 1, go to Samaria, go to the ends of the earth to make disciples of all nations. But that's like it went one ear out the other for Peter. You see, in all spiritual movements, even those of us that have been really radically changed by the gospel, oftentimes end up living in our own bubble, pandering to our own self-interest. And because of the hedonic adaptation, we eventually hoard the greatest news of all to people homogeny, to people like us and around us only. And we resist. So if you want to understand what revival is, revival is simply when you begin to hoard the gospel, revival is when the Holy Spirit comes to convict you to leave that meeting. <laughs> to leave that bubble of insularity and go out, led by the Spirit, to what? To those who don't know Him. That's revival. When the Spirit comes to the church to what? Convict of deadness and deafness. It can't be about another meeting and great things happening in that meeting or how great the worship was or how great the sermon was. No, it has to become about what? People who don't know the name Jesus. That's why Cornelius brought his whole family. It was a powerful event. They were so desperate to hear. There's so many people out there, family, that are longing and seeking him but don't know how to find him. If you want to see revival, maybe we should call it renewal, gospel renewal, because that's really the biblical precedent here. It's when those who don't know, those who haven't heard, why should we preach the gospel to those who have heard millions of times versus those who have not heard it? That's the falcon of the Holy Spirit's mission strategy in the New Testament. That is our mission strategy in 180. And that biblically has to be all our, our community's mission strategy. Our calling, what? If we want to see revival, we have to ask ourselves right now, are we hoarding the gospel? Is my life fine? Is my job fine? Is my family fine? Am I blessed? How am I becoming a blessing to those who don't know him? Again, the theme and motif of mission 
the theme of being blessed to be a blessing like the Abrahamic covenant. To bless our descendants and those who know us. Because the gospel is the greatest news. Yuan Galeon, that proclamation of what Jesus has done, not what he will do, what he has done to set us free. That announcement is the gospel. So let me ask you a question today. Are you a spiritual hoarder? Are you comfortable in your own bubble? Does the Holy Spirit have to come? Not to give you prophetic words or things that you will do in the future, but how about right now? And I pray the Spirit would convict you today to go from that dysfunction back on mission. Amen? And I pray the Spirit would come right now and convict us. So in the beginning, we asked the question, when does the power of the Holy Spirit show up? Well, we learn excavated then and there in this early church when the church begins to actually share the gospel with those outside our four walls. That's when the Spirit's power showed up. Look at verse 44. While Peter was still saying these things, <laughs> Peter was explaining the kerygma, what happened to Jesus, his death, his resurrection, the prophecies, everything in the scriptures. But the Spirit didn't show up when he finished, not because of the eloquence. In fact, Paul talks about in the New Testament, I come to you timid, not with what? Eloquence or powerful speech, but with the power of the Holy Spirit. It says, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And while the believers um, among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed. <laughs> Look at this. People who come with the super apostle were not amazed at Peter's explanation of the gospel. They were amazed at the power of the gospel itself as the Spirit fell. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured on even the Gentiles. This was paradigm changing. Mind, not mind blowing, mind blasting. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, not in Peter's name, not in a celebrity's name, not in a leader's name, but in the name of Jesus Christ. People have asked me often, as I said in this series, 180 is one of a handful of churches that have millennials that is fully funded, self-funded to be sustainable in the United States. And people have asked, you, you're reaching the top 10%, right? Those highly professions, engineers, physicians, those in the academy in New York City, in the center of the city. What makes your, what, what are you guys doing? It must be your preaching, it must be your giftedness, it must be the talent in the church. And I said, no, 
People go, I want to visit your church. What do you guys do? What's your strategy? And I say, we try our best to help people live for Jesus and help people turn to Jesus. Like, that's it? Yep, I said, that's the falcon. <laughs> the wisdom of our strategy. 180 is not special. I'm like an evangelist of telling people, our church in, outside, when I teach at seminaries, we're not special at all. The leader here is not special. It's not the preaching. If you read the text, the biblical precedent, it's not Peter's preaching. It's not Peter's eloquence. It's the what? His direction and his obedience that brings the power. It's a submission to the will of the kingdom. could have been the most terrible speaker, but the spirit would have fell. <laughs> Why? Because he was fulfilling the kingdom's mission. He was submitted to the work of the kingdom. The direction of the spirit. So, if you move in the direction of the spirit, it doesn't matter what kind of pastor you have, what kind of lead, what kind of communities you have. If, you, if any church, if any community moves in the direction of the spirit, that power will show up and renewal will come. And I pray 180 that we would become not about names, not about leaders, not about pants, not about anything else except that direction. That precedent, a revival or better worded renewal, gospel renewal. To move, to actually share the gospel. That's why when we have seekers come to our church, that's why when we reach out outside of our four walls, we see powerful testimonies as we baptize so many in our community. Our core group are all, mostly people who come to Christ in our community. That's our mission. Not because that's original or special or I, I'm, I'm a genius. No, 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 no. That's precedent. So we need to allow scripture to form our praxis. And when we do, the power of God will show up. Amen? So will you join God today? And really, mitigate the malaise of the enemy saying, your witness won't matter. No, your witness will matter because the Spirit's direction is moving outside of the church walls and to the crevices and the cracks in the margins where people need to hear the gospel. Will you join God today? So will you lift your hands with me today and sing? So as we are at the conclusion of our series of the spiritual bubbles, um, I thought that it was really interesting how, you know, things kind of lined up in such a way where we were talking about how our resistances to our spiritual bubbles and the processes so that we can break out of them brought us to this point in conversation where we're talking about uh, what, the true meaning biblically uh, as a biblical precedent, what the true meaning of revival is or, or how Dr. Sammy portrayed it as renewal. Um, and there are a lot of exciting things coming our way, including Lent um, where we're going to be practicing uh, giving something up and taking up a spiritual discipline so that we can really be full on what God is saying and doing in our lives, not just for our sake, but to be aligned to what God is doing. And I thought the, Timing was perfect, and there's a lot of exciting things that are unfolding as this year progresses along. But, you know, 
I thought it was really interesting how we kind of left off our last conversation wondering about how it would look like if believers across the world in this country would like what what the world would look like if we were to break out of these spiritual bubbles and I guess Dr. Sammy really really kind of came down on addressing that with this sermon but you know with that I I think there was a little bit of excitement on my part to really ponder and wonder about what that would look like but I think Dr. Sammy kind of addressed something that can pose as an issue when it comes to the church and when it comes to how we can facilitate mission for the kingdom. And I guess this has to do with a misunderstanding of what revival really is. Um, And so I guess I wanted to open up the floor and the question regarding what um, you thought revival looks like or what it is supposed to be biblically um, as Dr. Sammy sort of preached on it. And, you know, like, I guess what what is the result of what he described as spiritual hoarding, you know? Um, and just for a little bit of background for my part, because I remember as a Christian growing up, there were a lot of revival meetings, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of gatherings, a lot of asking for God's power in those uh, moments, in, the, in, that, in that evening where we did hold these revivals. But, you know, this sermon really got me reflecting on what the purpose of those things really were, mm-hmm. uh, what fruit came out of those things. And I guess I am seeing what Dr. Sammy was describing as a discrepancy of what, uh, you know, fruitfulness really looks like when we're doing mission as opposed to just gathering for the sake of gathering. And so I guess I kind of wanted to get your thoughts about that as well, Pastor Lydia, just to, you know, really understand and reconcile with what biblical revival or renewal really is. Yeah, I think that's um, it's a good question to start with. Um, I think it's a lot, you know, it's very parallel to the, our Lent season fasting for fullness. Um, I think it's easy. It's a tendency for all Christians, I think, um, to kind of focus on revival as how it brings meaning to me. Well, because, you know, Christianity, finding the person and the creator and relationship with this, you know, awesome God and Abba Father that loves us brings a lot of meaning and self-discovery and um, direction, you know. Mm. And and I think when we focus on the things that God will do for us, um, we kind of end up interpreting fullness when Jesus said, um, the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come to give life to the full. We could misinterpret that fullness as revival, as in when I'm full, when I feel full of meaning, then that's revival. When I feel good and I know who I am, then that's revival. Mm-hmm. When actually the message is talking about how, I mean, I'm kind of connecting the discipline we're going into with the message, the but the message is talking about, well, actually, it's not revival. That's renewal. We're being renewed in the fullness because true fullness that Christ is talking about is when we're fulfilled in the fulfillment of the mission that God ha- God is up to. 
So when we join his plans in obedience to Christ, not when we are filled and fed, but when that feeding and the blessing mounts to something to bless others, that's the fulfillment and that's the fullness. And that's revival when people come to Christ, when the great commission is um, when people are commissioned, when the harvest that is plentiful gets workers, as Christ said, to pray for workers, um, when that work is being done and people actually come to Christ and come to know the Lord as I and you have found meaning in Christ and direction in Christ, that's revival. So it's way beyond the four walls and our own disciplines. Mm. Let's see. I mean, I would love to talk about that for a, a moment, just because I think, you know, it seems like what Dr. Sammy was describing is that there is a general misconception about what revival really is, right? And I think there is something that you just said about how, you know, we're asking God, or like we're trying to align ourselves to what God is doing and, you know, source our fullness from being aligned to God's mission, right? Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it, it seems like there is sort of, uh, I guess, a, I guess there's a point in time where the church sort of missed what is really happening and are just super focused on spiritual power, right? Like, just kind of gathering together and, you know, asking God for power and anointing, like we were talking about a little bit earlier. But, you know, I, 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 and I'm wondering, like, as much as we are asking God for sort of purpose and direction and for a calling towards mission, you know, I, I'm wondering how the church kind of fell into this pocket of, you know, being stuck in these four walls and being unable or like, I guess, kind of hindered to breaking out of our bubbles and really engaging with mission. Like, how come it how come Christians or like the church at large? falls into this, I guess, space of, you know, spiritual hoarding as opposed to staying on task with mission. Yeah, I guess, um, you know, there's no like one answer to that, right? But I think that looking at just the church and ourselves as human beings, I think it's it's human tendency to kind of miss the point when something is good Mm. and to want to dwell in it and to gain more of it. And I think that because what Christ offers is so good, and because his love is good, his reassurance is good, it's, and he's healing, and he's, you know, it's so rewarding to be close to, in proximity, I guess, like, of that atmosphere. Um, I think we get stuck within it, and we forget that it's actually for outside of that environment for people who have not witnessed Christ, you know? So, mm. I mean, there's really no one answer, right? But I think we just kind of missed the point sometimes. Right. And I think the praxis of the church practicing, you know, conferences after conferences to, for, um, and for people to not, and, you know, this is, I don't think the message was at all a mockery of the way things are done, but I think it's the extremity, it's the extreme pra- um, praxis or misleading praxis of why people might gather. Like Sam kind of joked and said, um, you know, a lot of times revival is 
where you hear God will do in your life in the next revival. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of funny, but I, a lot of times that happens because people are asking the question, like, what does God want to want me to do? What is my part? And I think when the focus is self can self, uh, well, there's, yeah, there's a huge focus on self and that's important because we fit to the bigger plan of God. But I think a lot of times when there's such a need and um, hoarding of the word is not even need, but hoarding of affirmation, um, that affirmation can almost become, uh, I don't know, addictive mm, in that, that it yeah. becomes its own end. Right. Right. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because that was the word that popped up in my head when you said affirmation. Because I think there's like definitely. I almost feel like this is sort of revealing of how, I guess, misplaced our spiritual hunger could be, right? Mm -hmm. It it almost seems like for us to continue, like Dr. Sammy said, like to be continually spiritually fed there, it seems like the best way we might know how is to like pray for ourselves and like pray that we get blessed and that, you know, good things happen to us. But, you know, that, that is sort of like a misconstrued idea of what God really blesses us for. Right. And I love the conversation we've been having with the spiritual bubble series about how, you know, the real emphasis is about being a blessing for the sake of blessing others. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, I guess there is like a pitfall somewhere along the lines where we are like, I guess, trying to be so prepared for God's calling that we're just hoarding all the, all the blessings for ourselves and such like that. Like that, I guess that's sort of where we might like really miss the mark as far as God's true calling and purpose for us in this world. Yeah. It's not intentional hoard. I mean, who really at the end of the day wants to hoard, right? Yeah. I think the hope is for anyone to have an uncluttered home, a home that, you know, has space to breathe and to enjoy and to live life. But when, people hoard it's not intentional per se but for i think when we hoard the intention of hoarding is not to keep it from others but i think it's kind of the after effect like that's what ends up happening unintentionally and i think that's why scripture teaches us to kind of wake up from this tendency and to refocus and to be redirected Mm. yeah I, I totally agree with that. Um, you know, I, I, I do really find it funny that you, uh, you know, sort of mentioned how, you know, we're like Dr. Sammy joked about how we gather for the next gathering, like uh, mm-hmm. about what God is doing in the next gathering. Because this, uh, again, reminds me of like how when I was younger, there were like various churches that would hold revivals and gatherings for um different purposes and different reasons and i i and it was it was like just going from revival to revival um Mm -hmm. and in in those spaces like sure i i guess we can make the claim that there was spiritual activity and what god was doing in those moments but like you know when i really thought about what dr sammy was saying was that you know i i guess it was just a really cool distinction that he was making that you know it's Revival or renewal is not an admission, but it's an outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and how renewal is 
the result of a process of being engaged in mission. Um, and I guess like being that you mentioned redirection and like redirecting us to uh, what our true purpose and calling towards mission is, I, I guess like I was wondering what, what do we do to be redirected in that way to really, you know, seek fullness out of acting on behalf of God's mission, as opposed to, you know, just being so self-absorbed with what God is doing for us, for our sakes, you know? So I, I guess like, I was wondering if you had something in mind regarding like what the redirection process looks like. Yeah, I think it's keeping others in mind and not just ourselves, especially keeping others in mind or specifically those who do not know the love and the grace of Christ. Mm. That's having in mind is, I think, the first step of how God convicts us of the names and the faces and how that process comes about. I mean, it is a very creative process, um, you know, I would say even prophetically of how God leads and how we step into that. But I think it starts with that, keeping others in mind and remembering that this Christian life is not so that my home and my family uh, and that grow up to be Christians and with Christian values. And, you know, we could feel great knowing that we, you know, we are all saved and agree with that, but it's sharing that love with others and in the ways that God wants to engage us with the world. So, yes. <clears throat> yeah. And I, I totally feel that a lot of our conversations during this series was leading up to this point where we were kind of addressing that resistance to be mindful of others and be, you know, I guess discerning of what God is doing to lead us to people that are seeking him, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I guess like, you know, we, we covered a lot about how, you know, we have to resist the temptation of our bubbles, um, the ways in which that we can sort of break out of those things and such like that. But I, I guess I wanted to, circle back on it because, you know, I, Dr. Sammy mentioned something that really caught my eye regarding how there's like a resistance to, um, I guess where God is ultimately leading us as far as um, his mission, right? Like the, I guess there's like, it's like easy to attend a uh, revival, right? It's, mm, like, yeah. it's like for Christians and, you know, everybody is already a Christian um, but, you know, mission comes with like a whole bunch of resistance. And I thought it was like super interesting that Dr. Sammy was saying it's like it's it's sort of in that like layer of resistance that the Holy Spirit really moves mm -hmm. um, to leave our bubbles and to go out into the world. And, you know, like like how Jesus commissioned Peter to go out and make disciples of the world. Um, and I was wondering what your thoughts were about that, because I think um yeah, there's like a ton of comfortability just being in in like an atmosphere or an environment that does emphasize spirituality and, you know, like what gifts and what God is doing for us. Um, and I, I guess that is the point of friction for us to sort of leave our nest and like leave our uh comfort so that we can engage in mission. I, I guess I wanted to gather your thoughts about that as well, because I think it was, um, 
I, I think it's really telling about how I guess the church does not has like a propensity to not want to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, it would entail gr- like real growth in terms of biblical growth and obedience. It would take, yeah, it would take to those two things, really, because I think when we're gathering attendance, um, it almost seems like a checkoff, like I go to church and, you know, I or I went to small group. But if the things that we're attending and. Okay, so if the thing if the things that we're attending don't mount to growth, we really have to examine what is the point of our attendance, what is the point of our learning, what is the point of examination. And the metric of that biblically would be obedience. Am I living up to what God is calling me to do, how he is challenging me in these meetings to go out, outside of the four walls. How Mm -hmm. am I obeying God? So I think those two things have to be rechecked and redirected for us so that we don't miss the point. Because like you said, the propensity is to stay inward. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because it seems like us being too comfortable is like a pretty good assessment of whether we're, you know, really engaging with mission, right? Like, I guess if our environments are, or our environments or our feedback um, sources are ultimately padding our own understanding of what God is doing, right? Like, you know, sort of allowing us to hear selectively what we want to hear. Um, as opposed to hearing what God is do, hearing what God is saying and obeying that call is sort of the point of contention for a lot of Christians. And I guess like it's hard. That's like a turning point that is hard to reconcile maybe for a lot of believers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, even attendance is tough, right? So this whole message is not, opposed to attending church and hearing the preaching of the word. And we said this last week that it's in the preaching of the word that it, that it's in the kerygma, the declaration of the gospel, hearing that declaration um, through preaching that actually ignites us and activates us, right. And built and activates our faith. Scripture teaches that. Um, So it's not opposed to attendance, but I think even when we live in a time where church, even attending church becomes um, so rare, right? Mm. So when someone does attend, um, it becomes almost like I am growing, right? Like someone might say, I'm growing because I'm going to church now. Mm. But Right there, I think it's no different from when we start calling things revival for people who have been going to church and and do a check off that this is what we're meant to do and where this is where we're meant to go. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because attendance itself is not what produces growth in us. Real growth is really, like I said before, like is measured by how Christ forms us. So the formation is discipleship, 
becoming mm-hmm. followers of Christ. And Christ says that we're not his disciples unless we actually obey him. So the obedience really produces fruit. Going produces fruit. And going doesn't mean attendance. So, you know, like, it's not as intricate as, like, I guess I'm, like, dissecting it. But I think it's really important that we're redirected so that we can really measure growth as not just self-help or even emotional growth only, but how we're becoming more like Christ. How are we obeying Um so I think I kind of went off tangent with your question, but maybe you could redirect me back to the question. <laughs> oh, no, I think, I think you definitely answered the question because, uh, you know, I think the discipleship process, and I, I love that Dr. Sammy sort of explained, I guess, the mission strategy of our church is to help people live for Christ and in turn turning people to Jesus as well. Um, you know, and I think like, I guess it's like really important and and really important that discipleship is involved in our lives or like is a fundamental part of our lives along with attendance. Cause I think you're drawing a really important nuance distinction that like mm. not that attendance is necessarily a problem or like in and of itself, right? Like attending mm. is good, but it's like, it's not the goal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like to what end is the yeah. attendance? Like for what reason does the church gather and like what reason does the church hear the word every Sunday, right? And, you know, mm-hmm. like without that praxis, like um, you were describing, it sort of mm-hmm. hits the wall, like the, like the hits the walls of our little rooms, right? But, you know, the Holy Spirit is really asking us to go beyond our, our homes and our, you know, rooms to make disciples as well, right? Like that's yeah. like our discipleship process is the, formation for discipleship processes of others. Yeah. So having said that, since we're speaking about nuance, the nuance of discipleship in attendance would be, let's say uh, in a family where there are children, um, you want to raise them to value, not church attendance, but you want to raise them to value who Christ is and that um there and the parents' faith found in Christ and the love and the reassurance and the direction and submitting to Christ. And that can't be translated um, without actually inviting your children to church because discipleship doesn't happen in a vacuum. It happens within the scriptural, the metric of the scriptural um, teachings of gathering, right? So, here we're looking at parents discipling children um, and doing the mission for their own children by attending church to show the value of this is what we value and this is what we listen to. This is what we make space for, you know, instead of kind of just going about as the world does to, you know, sports games and sports teams, but saying, This sacred space is really important for us. So there is value in attendance in that way and how it serves as discipleship, right? Mm -hmm. But so, again, it doesn't negate the gathering and the attendance part, but it's really about what is our focus. Like you asked a question before, 
Um, how do we go about doing that? And it's about keeping others in mind. It's about keeping our children in mind. It's about keeping the people um, we love that have not or, or are still seeking or learning about who Christ is in mind. Mm. It's keeping people outside of ourselves in mind. And that's the mission, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Which uh, sort of leads me to this next uh, question, because I think on the topic of nuance, um, you know, like, I think, you know, I, I can't help but feel that we as believers are sort of like the renewal result of another person having kept us in mind, um, if that's mm. that's not so bold of a claim for me to make. But, you know, you know, I think like, you know, it, it recalls a time when I was younger that I felt like the focus really was on me, like what God is doing in my life, what God has called me to, what purpose am I supposed to serve while I, you know, like am alive or am going to church and such like that. Um, you know, and I I guess to a degree I I was redirected and not, not to a degree, like completely, I was completely redirected to like moving out of that. Um, I guess self concerned uh, space of what God is doing with me to what God is doing with me for other purposes. Mm. Um, and, and that those purposes being mission. And so I guess I wanted to ask you, about like how do we cross that divide or like that boundary to, you know, because I think there is like a lot of emphasis that when we do first come to church or when we're exposed to church, it's a lot about like what God is doing in our lives and like how God saved us, blesses us and such like that. Um, but like I wanted to, uh, you know, gain insight from what you were thinking about. Like how, like what have you seen to in disciples and believers to help them, you know, kind of come out of, that uh, self-concerned world into, you know, really having people in mind and mission in mind and like the people God loves and that we love so that we can, you know, engage in mission. Cause I, I do feel like that transition happened in my life, but you know, like how it happened may not be entirely uh, explicit. So I was wondering if you had some insight on that. Yeah, I think it's a lot of, you know, discipleship is being directed um, to a biblical life, right, of what Christ intends as he teaches in scripture, also being redirected when there's a lack of nuance, because I think as people, we like the clarity of black and white, and certain things mm. are, right, but also learning the nuance of, okay, what does this mean for my life, and understanding how it applies to me without bending what scripture says. So there's a lot of direction and redirection, right? And that's, I think, a big part of what discipleship is. Um, learning how to turn to Christ, to be formed by Christ, learning to turn to Christ because you don't know where to turn. Um, but I think the engagement into actually crossing that boundary um, I think, as you phrased it, is really in action. Mm -hmm. It's only an action of actually practicing what you have heard, practicing what you believe, practicing what you have 
perhaps preached but not done is where I think it breaks the threshold from knowing and filling and hoarding to actually mounting to something of something that is notable than just self, you know? So I think that's really where the line is when you actually go and do Mm. and get out of your own comfort zone Mm. and my comfort zone and get a little bit stressed out a little bit for the (laughs) sake of others and get disheveled a little bit because it kind of, you know, disrupts your tranquility and peace and your routine um, for the sake of others. Uh, I love that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I love love that you brought that up because, you know, that was exactly what I was thinking. It's like there's such a resistance to going, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Just from my own personal understanding of who I am, it's sort of like doing without, I guess, preparation just always kind of seems like a bad idea. Mm. But, you know, this is kind of exactly what this uh, sermon is highlighting, right? It's that there there seems to be like such an overemphasis on preparation, mm-hmm. um, like how God is preparing me and like what God is doing in my life and all that. And I guess it's like you almost get like this paralysis, right, of mm-hmm. not actually doing anything and like sort of missing the opportunities that are out there that God is sort of conducting because of the... I guess, one-dimensional focus on myself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, how, how how does one overcome that barrier of resistance? You know, I, I guess I'm sort of reiterating this question, but I thought it might, there, there, there's a little bit of a, you know, I, I guess a difference here in that, you know, this is sort of going to like more personal underlines of like why we are just you know so fixated on ourselves and missing the real point of mission so i i guess i wanted to ask you like what is the what does it take to overcome that comfort and that resistance of being where we are <laughs> like being like being stuck at where we are with our uh with our mission yeah i think you know usually i am not content or tranquil about the things that I must do meaning you know I like to be in my own zone of comfort of my own schedule of um, how I want the day to go about you know like as I'm sure many people in the world right like you want your own life and you would want to know the outcome of everything that will be, you know, that will take place based on how you go about the day. Yeah. You know, who really wants unknowns? Like I'm, I'm especially not that type of person that likes excitement of unknown that I would like, I don't know, parachute off an airplane. Like some people love that adrenaline us, yeah. but I, I despise things like that. Not saying that people who shoot out of those things, are more prone to mission. I'm not drawing that picture, but you know what I mean? Like we like to have control, but I think there is an aspect of letting go of control and saying, God, I'm going to give this friendship to you so that you can work in this so that they could come to know you somehow um, over time without me getting in the way. Can you lead me in this friendship? Uh, or can you lead me in this, you know, 
this this meeting or acquaintance of a person that I'm getting to know, like inviting God into the process and kind of stepping out and saying, all right, I don't own all of my time. My time is borrowed time. Like this is God's time and kind of surrendering day to day. Um, Just like how we make time, you know, for our own things, Mm. making it sacred by actually leaving. And, you know, it's not like, Mission will not look like this beautiful, I don't know, like candle lit, ambient, you know, from normal to supernatural. Like it doesn't look like that, like a seance of some sort, you know. Yeah. And I think sometimes we envision it to be like, oh, it's going to be glorious. But actually, sometimes it's just showing up and and spending time with someone because you care about them genuinely care about them and having them in mind that you have a hope that you want to one day share with that person because you know and be there for them Mm -hmm. and to add value in that person's life because you care and love that person Mm -hmm. and understanding that that person is loved beyond what you can ever love or care for that person um and that love is only possible through god's love you know so Mm -hmm. i think having someone in mind i think is a really again i'm saying saying what i said before but i think it's so important because i think that's the thing a lot of times we're so consumed about what we have to do and what we have to get done and accomplish on a day-to-day basis that we don't have others in mind Mm -hmm. and i think having the practice of not in a conference again or not in like a or like a preparation session but just you and yourself like and the spirit and saying god who are the faces that i've been ignoring because honestly god it's inconvenient i don't really want to think about this person because it's stressful to think that i might have to be responsible for someone i mean i think these are the thoughts that kind of go through our minds right when we think about someone or have someone in mind we bear so much responsibility that by the time we walk out of that room of hearing god or asking god to lead us and you know for revelation of how we can move into action um of mission we talked ourselves out of it right or there's a catharsis of knowing that we have someone in mind but then, okay, well, at least I did the first step of having someone in mind. I'm on my way. And then the action wavelength will fizzle out. You know, it's like, yeah. wait, wait, I thought this was about actually getting out there and having like an action plan of, you know, caring, <laughs> like actually yeah. genuinely carrying out, um, you know, commission so however that looks like obviously because people don't come to christ in a vacuum we have to have people in mind and be open Mm. to obey and to be open to what god and how he will lead us inconveniently destructively subtly dramatically dynamically you know Mm. yeah i resonate with that pretty profoundly i mean the takeaway that I got from what you were just describing is that like there's sort of like a twofold uh, antidote to sort of this charismania or like uh, our, uh, I guess like 
being selfish ultimately, right? Like to put it bluntly, it's like there has to be a willingness to obey God and mm -hmm. the the heart to really love people. And you know, this I I can't help but really think that there's like a general resistance to doing that because like you were describing, it's like we do feel like well, for me, I, I honestly felt like when you were describing that, you hit the nail on the head for me because it's like when it comes to other people, it's it feels really hard to be responsible for others and their lives and such like that um, through caring about them. You know, I think mm. um, there's uh, therefore there's like a downplay of us wanting to be in relationships with people and also us like over emphasizing the action plan to care about people you know um mm. i think i was describing our last conversation about how like i had my own ideas of like what mission looks like and how i can do it it was like a controlled um environment really uh but you know like you were saying like when god calls and when god convicts it's there's that obedience and that obedience along with the fact that like i love and care about this person is just sort of like how revival and renewal is stimulated Mm -hmm. uh, whether it looks like some grand process um, that I, I usually have in mind when it comes to revivals, because revivals seem like, well, revivals usually had like a, like, like rock band worship and like <laughs> a, a lot of people gather together, like, you know, and mm -hmm. crying out to God and stuff like that. But it's like, it's not, it's not really like that. It's like, there's a, there's a process of overcoming ourselves so that we can be in service to others and in service to what God is truly trying to fulfill out in the world. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like how, how do we get that fulfillment? You know, I think this is like a perfect segue into our conversation or our, like with the upcoming Lent season, you know, um, you know, we're talking about how we're Lenting so that we can feast on the fulfillment of God. Uh, I'm sorry. So we're fasting for fullness. <laughs> sorry, I think that was last year's theme. But <laughs> this year we're fasting for fullness, right? And it's like, I guess it's important to bear in mind that like the fullness really does come from our desire and our discipleship processes that involve us in trying to be like Christ and trying to love like Christ had um with other people and so i guess it's like you know I, I i you know maybe this is a good opportunity to talk a little bit about um why the theme for our lent is fasting for fullness um because i do think there is like a very strong um alignment with our current conversation about like what does fulfillment really mean or what does it look like because i think there is a misconstru misconstruation i don't know if that's a word there's like a misconstruction of like our understanding of what it means to be fulfilled by God. But, you know, I guess through this Lent season and based off this conversation and sermon series, it's like we're redirecting uh, a believer's understanding of what fulfillment really looks like. Um, so I, I just wanted to gather your thoughts on that. Yeah. So I feel like last year's um, fasting to feast or the, you know, I think that's generally how we've been kind of talking about fasting during Lent to feast. Mm -hmm. And it's really feasting on the presence of God, right? Fasting to feast. but And there's the feasting of Sunday because it's a celebratory day 
where you're you where you don't have to fast. Um, but fasting for fullness, I guess, is another step to that. And it's kind of drawing, again, a nuance, but also a clarity to why we fast, why we take up a discipline. And um, to really experience fullness means realizing our obedience to God actually matters to our direction and to our commission and to overall to the mission of God's plan, overall plan. And so we're fasting so that we could really live out this fullness, which really includes feasting of God's presence. Because Mm. when we make room to fast and take up a discipline to know Jesus and to turn to Jesus for the amplifying of his voice for the sake of the mission, really equates to fullness that Christ promised us. And Christ um, did not promise so that we would be fulfilled in our own, um, in just our own needs, but that it would be um, exponential. um, And it would actually make sense when we take our joy and share it with others. So that's really the fullness. It's the full culmination, 360 degree of, what we receive really mounting to something of transcendent value for the sake of others. So that's the fullness that Christ has come for. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, disciplines, these some, just some thoughts that I had about, you know, the disciplines that people might want to consider um, uh, would be, taking up a discipline of forgiveness as opposed to taking up a discipline of um, just journaling. And I say that because if formation is our goal and, you know, and I think I kind of want to like layer this because this is given in scripture, but I just want to kind of like talk about it a little bit. I think we're not opposed to formation and learning for the sake of formation of becoming like Christ. Um, ultimately, the fruit of our lives bearing fruit for the sake of others, right? Um, as Jesus talks about. But what does abiding in Jesus really mean? It means to really become like Him in obedience so that there are things in our lives that from our old ways of living, our old, um, I guess, patterns of living or thoughts of control of living that Christ is working through in us. There's baggage. There's um, There are things that God wants to work through to heal us, to reform us, to form us, to transform us. And having said that, I mean, that's kind of really the reason why I think people started gathering in these revivals for some kind of transformation. Mm. But transformation doesn't actually happen in revivals, but it's really conviction and reminders of the need to follow Christ and to submit to his ways. And so going back to the disciplines, like, you know, it's forgiveness, uh, discipline of the spirit. Um, And I think definitely so, because I think a lot of times we learn about the love of God and we know that we um, 
should forgive because Christ forgave us. Because it's in that grace and forgiveness that we even understand forgiveness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's an inaction or um, almost omission of forgiveness because sometimes neglect, right? And we just kind of go about our day and our lives and we don't really think that perhaps we should forgive. But I think that we become formed, like Mulhan says, for the sake of others. So taking up a practice of God, can you do a work in me? Because I want to represent you better. I want to represent you well. If I am a broken jars of clay, like God, I want you to work through me so that I carry your presence and your light to the world better and well. That kind of preparation of formation for the sake of others is, I think, very honorable. And it's something that God wants for us to become like him on the inside mm. for this, so that we can go outside, you know? Yeah. And forgiveness actually works through a lot of the things. Um, our disbelief in reaching out to people, our own hurt and our own bitterness, it really puts it at the feet of Jesus. So forgiveness, for example, as a formation for the sake of others could be a really good discipline. Um, practicing that hmm. as an example. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I many others like that that really form within that we might neglect. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would I would love to know more about those things because it's like, I think there's a really good example in that it's like, I think this kind of reiterates the motif about how there's like a purposefulness behind our formation, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not it's not just like the practice of journaling that is going to sort of aid our discipleship process itself but like the purpose of it is to in this example to forgive so that we can be sort of like these vessels that represent christ well in that arena just like how the church should not hoard spirituality but like have it for the sake of others as well right so it's like designing a purposefulness so that it is in line with what god is doing Yeah. And this is not something new, right? It's just scripturally Christ teaches us to forgive or to not worry. Like, you know, if I think about, you know, some things that people um, last year uh, surrendered or to or fasted was, you know, it's like silly to say you would fast worrying. Well, yeah, because I think people worry because it's brings some sort of like a security and assurance that we're in control of our own problems, right? I think there is that bit in that. So when we fast worrying as part of our life um, and how we go about living our life, well, it actually makes room to trust God and to see us letting go of our worries to trust God and how that forms faith in us and assurance of God's abundance and his blessing and his care in us i think that becomes a witness too to the world right so there are these formation pieces that we also have to obey to christ's way so that we can be formed for the sake of others so that we could love better so we could love well Mm -hmm. so that we could be loved well because it's really like you know I, i know that you love to emphasize this joe it's really in relationship that people come to know Christ. 
Yeah, I do love to emphasize that. <laughs> um, and it, you know, I, 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 I can't agree more because I you know I, I feel like this brings sort of an analogy, and I guess this is a biblical analogy, you know, because it's like, um, you know, the whole picture of how our cup is overflowed, um, right? Like, like the purpose of our relationship with God is not necessarily so that our cup gets full, but is that it overflows so that it can be shared with other people's cups, sort of like a funnel. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's like directing the, the will of God or like the, the, the mission that God has in mind through us um, sort of as a vehicle to um, engage in love. Right. Like, cause you know, like w- without it, like without love, it's sort of like these, these, um, these actions or like these thoughts or like, I don't know, like I, I, I get the, I get this idea from a verse that I just read, but with like, without love, it's like kind of like meaningless. Right. Yeah. Um, and so like for us to be engaged with the things and the people that God loves and inherent to us uh, to also uh, act on that love is sort of the crux of this mission, right? Like that's, that's the reason why you know we need christ and other people need christ yeah i think the overflow of that love is the benefits for the sake of others is like bountiful but it's general and specific right Mm -hmm. when just like kindness has a way of impacting people in this world that's not so kind to us right or um when a word of encouragement could encourage a stranger so that's like very general right when we become formed it it's just we it becomes the indicative of who we are like being formed by christ we become like christ in this world so people around us will in general will be blessed by the presence of god working through us like the overflow you talked about and then there's the obedience of specific of people that we're actually engaged with mm-hmm. and that people we will engage with um, intentionally so that people can benefit uh, in the knowledge of this love, of this person, of Christ. So I think it's general and specific. And I think our goal is for both. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I mean... I feel like this is a perfect like end to this series and to this conversation because, you know, I think bringing us out of our bubbles um, is basically asking God to help us open up space for others and for what God is really doing. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, not like, I guess like, I mean, it's not really like expanding your bubble, but I guess bursting your bubble does kind of create, create that space for uh, God. Right. And like, uh, I, I know for me that that is usually the intent by which I go into the Lent season, right? Like it's about making the space for like, I guess what God is doing in my life. But I think like there's like an additional, um, like fundamentally additional piece to that where it's like where God is doing these things in my life is for the sake of some other benefit or like for some other channel to be delivered right like and and i guess 
what I'm trying to draw at or sort of uh, uh, get at with that um, analogy is to, is like, what, like, I guess, how, how should we approach what we're learning in today's conversation with this sermon about, uh, uh, you know, like really being engaged with renewal and revival with this Lent season along with, yeah, like how we should, or like how we can sort of incorporate what we're learning from this sermon series and our conversation today about, you know, how we can be engaged with renewal and revival. You know, um, so I actually love that we have a lot of younger members in our church, Gen Z, Uber Z, like, is that what it's called now? <laughs> There's an Uber Z now? Oh, what's Uber Z? Maybe I got that wrong. Okay, see, I'm like realizing I'm like on the other older, uh, older generation. Dang, I'm Gen X, born in the 70s. But like, I love that we have millennials and then we have Gen Z, Gen after that. Um, and I love being in relationship with people that are younger because I realize one that, wow, I'm not the youngest anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and also, um, other than like, oh yeah, I'm, I am getting older, but also, wow, there's so much to learn, you know, there's a freshness of how younger people express things and, there's so many new words that I don't know, and I love learning about it. But anyway, I mentioned this because to answer your question, um, one of the younger members in our church said to me um, in talking about the message, like, hey, um, Pila, do you know what gatekeeping means now? I'm like, well, I'll tell you what it really means in terms of like the context I grew up spiritually with that word. And gatekeeper is like, you know, like a gatekeeper in the Old Testament where they made sure that no harm was done to within the fortress of, I, I don't know, you know, it's like a battle word. It's a protection word of people, right? But also it's a word that means you protect and you pray and you you know keep up and you stay like what is it stay up and you pray and you do gatekeeping to protect the gates of god's work and then um the person said no i don't even know what that means because a fairly new believer like i don't know what that means Felix, but i'll tell you gatekeeping it remind this message reminded me of gatekeeping because gatekeeping wait joe do you know what gatekeeping means no, I, I do not. Wow. Okay. That's funny because I thought maybe you would know, but okay. Right. So gatekeeping means now hoarding. It's like someone is gatekeeping if they hear someone's music and because it genuinely connects with them, they hoard it so that it stays genuine. Because I think now there's like a fear of like, oh, when someone becomes mainstream where you share something, when someone is starting out as a musician or what, and you hoard it, uh, it's more genuine to you. So when you're a gatekeeper, I probably am using this word wrong to all the younger listeners, but like you don't, that's something you don't want to do so that the person can, I guess, in a sense, blow up, right? So that others can hear the music. So how do you permit that? Well, you share their music. Don't hoard. Don't, gatekeep or gate <laughs> yeah. but you get the idea right but i think that's kind of where what we need to do one applicable action is having learned all this and having learned 
um, the need to why we break, we need to break through these spiritual bubbles, through God's intervention, and what it will take to break these bubbles, which is obedience and submission, and applying um, biblically what God is calling us to and has been calling us to to obey Him. Well, I think the first step is we have to share. Mm. Share the resources we have and not hoard it. Um, share the songs that, you know, I guess figuratively, um, but also literally of God and not to ourselves. So I think one of the practical ways is to invite people to service, to hear God's word, yeah. you know, to hear about who God is so that people, you know, Sam said it like this and we say this often, you know, which is the mission of God, like to help people turn to Jesus who are looking for him, but don't know where to go to find him. Well, mm. I think we need to stop being gatekeepers and or gatekeeping, forgive me, younger people. And we need to stop hoarding and share what we've been hoarding because whatever we're hoarding is not meant for our own ear or, or our own ears only, but it's meant to be shared. You know, I also love like Josh says, I, you know, he went through a childhood of elections, probably unprecedented elections, right? Yep. The last two elections. And, and Josh has learned to say, I support Jesus Christ. Like he says <laughs> that, like my eight year old son. I'm like, that's so funny. You say, I support Jesus Christ. Oh, I was like, Josh, we follow and worship Jesus Christ. But he goes, but I support him because that's who I believe. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. But kids are expressing in these ways. And I think, you know, if we support, like, I see our our members are such activists, right? Social activists of what is wrong. And I see people sharing so much. And I'm so proud of our church that's unlearning to love humanity better mm. and i think that in the same way as people are activists of what is what is good and what needs to come through you know in this generation do newer and younger voices i think in the same way we have to become activists like josh says support jesus then we need to share about jesus with others and i think we have the resources to do that even in this pandemic you know even within if, even if we have to be so remote within our walls, I mean, literally, but also as things are opening up, we have to share. And I think one of the ways is to invite people to service. It's very non-threatening way to invite people. And we have days of days in the sun coming up in the spring and kind of build our way to introduce people more and more to Christ is by inviting people to that as it comes. But why not start now and kind of build up in mm. people's engagement as seekers to know and to know whom and to know where to turn to find out more about who Jesus is. Mm. So I think we could stop by not hoarding, but sharing. Right on. I completely agree. For some who might be listening, some believers that maybe are starting to formulate in their minds, like, okay, like, where do I begin to stop hoarding and share the gospel? Uh, I, I mean, I definitely learned a new term today, gatekeeping. But, you know, <laughs> like, how do we open the gates of 
what God is trying to usher into other people's lives. Like, I guess for someone who might just be thinking in their minds, like, I don't know where to start or like, how do I even invite people to church? Right. Um, do you have any, any words uh, to speak on that? I think just do it. <laughs> yeah, I had a feeling you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, there's really no formula. You want to share and you're looking for bridges. I think right now we have a really great bridge of remote services. It's yeah. very non-threatening way to invite someone to engage and mm-hmm. to see for themselves and to stick around and to seek in a safe environment. So I would say, okay, so I actually wanted to say this, but now you kind of reminded me, Joe, but, you know, another uh, spiritual discipline people could practice, um, and I just want to put it out there for people who may not know that this could be a spiritual discipline, is the is practicing hospitality. Mm. You know, right now we're not in a place where we could invite everyone into our homes, right, because of social distancing, right? Yeah. And um, but you can practice hospitality by inviting people to church, by sending and sharing links that will invite people into the environment where they can actually hear about the gospel, where you could invite people into, um, you know, these links of we call it God's living room. You know, it's so prophetic, but we you can invite people into god's living room of 180 church of um using the link on youtube 180 church nyc or using the link in bio and the 180 church ig and people could find these messages where they could literally sit in their own living room and experience god's presence and the teachings of god and i think it's such a great time to share it because it, because really of uh, of all the extreme things that have been happening with charismania with QAnon and to under for people to understand outside mm-hmm. who might find church very peculiar and weird and um, very in a polarized way it's a very mm-hmm. non-threatening way for people to learn like so what do you believe well this is what we believe and actually the bible teaches like this uh, opposed to all the fringe movements that are kind of hurting the witness of the representation of Christ. Well, it's such a great way to undo the mess for people as well. Cause I'm sure a lot of people have taken steps back mm. in wanting to know about Christianity and who Christ is because of the association with the French movements of QAnon and, you know, the really, really fundamental, like right with right wing charismania, like all these things that have been really polarizing for witness and for believers, right? So share the link. I think it, you invite people into God's living room. Mm. I agree with that. I mean, it's not very hard to share a link with people. I, I've done it a few times myself and, you know, uh, there's no way really to tell that people are attending services and such like that, unless you got direct feedback which is really nice as well. But, you know, I think it is a really great way to help facilitate gospel conversations and, you know, really exposing people to um, the word, you know, and to what, then to who Jesus is at the end of the day. I think that's definitely something 
um, we can do uh, in the in the current state that we're in with uh, quarantining and you know being inside all day. <laughs> yeah, or you could even share this podcast, right? Yeah. A lot of times, you know, Christians we hoard, but also we step back because we want to kind of control what people learn about what Christ teaches. But yes. I think more and more people are wanting to know the full picture of who really Christ is. There's really no need for us to hide it because it real who Christ is is not a secret. It's not something we've been given this special revelation to share with others. The gospel movement has started 2,000 plus years ago. And Jesus has been very clear. The first century Christians have been very clear about who Christ is. And really, people are really wanting to know, well, how is that relevant to my life? And in my searching for the transcendent and my search for answers in this life of my purpose and my identity here. So it's such a great resource to be sharing and a time and like great time to be sharing mm-hmm. and not control Oh, no, I don't think my friend could handle this. Well, I'm sorry, but it's kind of like written about, spoken about. Um, why not give what you receive? Like, if you had a good meal, you want to share it unless you hoard it. I mean, sometimes I do this. I have a good meal at a restaurant and I'm like, oh, man, I kind of like this remoteness. I don't want people to know about it. Yeah. And then I'm like, wow, that's messed up. <laughs> You know, but I mean, that's kind of how we are. But yeah, I will not be a gatekeeping person. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it just a little bit of selflessness. No, lessen the selfishness and share. Mm. Others will benefit and others will learn to digest and chew. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think that a uh, restaurant uh, metaphor that you put is actually pretty, pretty good because uh, it's like if you're if you're just kind of keeping this restaurant to yourself, it like only benefits you. But if you're willing to share the food from that restaurant, it benefits others and the restaurant itself. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. It's just an illusion of privacy and feeling so like oh my life is the way I curated it but actually that restaurant existed before me yeah. before I tried it and it can get better after and it's not our job really to keep restaurants you know a secret so that it becomes this treasure or hidden gem I think you know I think we take a little bit of over responsibility about how things should run mm-hmm. <laughs> but let's share it Amen. I will change my ways. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you've given me a couple good restaurants, so I think, <laughs> I think we're on a good roll here. Um, I guess, like, one of the remaining questions that I do have is that, um, you know, going back to sort of the paralysis thing, paralysis thing that I brought up earlier, it's sort of, I, I think sometimes I feel overwhelmingly underprepared sometimes, you know, like, I'm not ready is sort of the thought that would cross my mind or like this person's, you know, like we make these assumptions about ourselves and others about their readiness to um, be engaged with uh, mission and with the gospel. And so I I guess, is there like a, a way to mitigate those 
feelings of self-doubt and you know underpreparedness or is there like how how can we despite that feeling um be be a part of the kingdom uh, expansion well i think that we are more prepared than we think and that's why the we we go and hear God's word to be prepared so that we're not going by our own understanding and wisdom or knowledge, right? Mm. And the other thing is, I love the second point, and I think it really brings it to the second point of the message, which is that the Spirit's power shows up when we share. Yeah. So the first point was that share uh, Spirit comes to disperse us when we hoard the mm. gospel, but second is that Spirit's power really shows up when we share. And I think we have to kind of be vulnerable and share and experience the power of God showing up and helping us. Um, Our over-calculation, our over-worrying of what I might lack in my witness, I think we could be more... um, I guess, intentional about our personal integrity Mm. than about how we will share or if I will know enough. Mm. Because you're really um, entrusting someone into a knowledge that's beyond you. So actually, you're not being entrusted with the person coming to Christ. You're really being a vessel, a resource, a friend along the journey to a bigger process than yourself and like i said before people want to know more than you want them to know and i think you know that's something that christians um we struggle with sometimes in fear of this conversation about faith Mm. stopping or me messing it up but i think we have to trust what the bible teaches and what what the apostles have witnessed time and time again, that when you start sharing, when you open your mouth, the Spirit of God will show up. Mm. And He doesn't show up in a way where He takes you in a trance and you don't know what you're saying, but you're uttering these wise words. No, yeah. that's like more sci-fi movies of, you know, but it's more on, more when you show up in, God will show up in your words and he will direct you and he will bring and direct to resources to things that you might feel you lack and perhaps you do lack in knowledge so you know i i think i've told this story before but i i remember this person um very antagonistic to coming to christ for all the reasons of surrendering um was something the person did not want to do you know Mm -hmm. like why give up mobility I'm finally an adult. Like, why I give up mobility? Um, and and it was kind of like the, I think it's the resistance that most people feel, right? Like, I don't want to surrender my life. Well, this person was learning about Christ while having that resistance. And I remember we were having like a baptism retreat and um, uh, I wanted to know if the person was coming on the retreat, really wanted to know if the person was ready to accept Christ mm-hmm. because those who are invited were people um, who are going to be baptized on the lake. 
And so I was too cowardous to really directly ask, hey, are you ready to accept Christ now? Mm. Um, now that you've kind of fought through the resistance of surrendering your, you know, mobility or your independence or whatever. And um, so I asked like, hey, are you, I need to make a list. Are you coming to the retreat? And then I remember the person said, uh, by that, you mean, am I ready to accept Christ? <laughs> and then he actually said, I'm almost there, but I'm not sure yet. I'll let you know. And I was really shocked because I was kind of coddling this person, really coddling myself. Yeah. Embracing for rejection. But this person actually was a lot more explicit about what he's after, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think we make that mistake often. We kind of calculate for people what they could or want to embrace or could handle mm -hmm. and we end up hoarding the gospel that is meant to be open for people to discover and see and taste and see and decide for themselves so i think it's not our job to hide the gospel in portions in bite-sized pieces if the person will ask questions about the things that we're not necessarily comfortable um or com feeling convenience to share that's not mm -hmm. our job to decide. The gospel is meant for people to hear. The story and the character and the beliefs um, that we have and the values that we have and hold to about Christ is something is, is something and someone who's transforming our lives. And that's why, you know, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God um, that saves me and heals me. It may be foolishness, to those who reject it, right? But it is the power of God saving me. And that's why we share and practice hospitality for the sake of the gospel and do mission is because this is not something we're not, we're not, this is not something we're ashamed of. This is something that really works. Yeah. The person of Christ is the solution, is the redemption that we don't have in this world apart from him. Mm. So let it out. Like just yeah. do it, share yeah. it, share him. Mm. Yeah, this uh, this sort of evokes that uh, again from like the second point of what Dr. Samuel was saying. It's like it's this gospel witness is ultimately going to lead to Christ and not reveal how talented or eloquent we necessarily are. Yes, right? it's like people will be gripped by the conviction and you know, I guess um, awareness of who God the Father is and who Jesus is through the preaching of the word and through hearing the gospel from others. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, uh, I really love these conversations where we are sort of refocusing and like you said before, redirecting what our, what the, pur what the purpose of the gospel is. And I know our conversations with the spiritual bubble series has been leading up to this and to end the series on this note where we're remembering that it's really about love and it's really about how much God loves us and how much God loves others and tying that all together for, you know, really for our true understanding of what mission is um, just kind of, you know, cements it all for me. And I think, 
in my personal journey, I found that, you know, like relationships and loving people um, in the way that Christ had loved me and how people have represented Christ to me is, is such a beautiful thing that um, is meant to be shared. You know, it's just like with that restaurant analogy, eating the food together is, is just a much more enjoyable um, experience than to have it all to ourselves, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I love this conversation and thank you so much, Pastor Lydia, uh, for having these conversations with us through these sermon series. Um, and so I guess before we, uh, I guess, end this segment for preparation of the next series, I was just wondering if you have any last thoughts, maybe about Lent or maybe about any words of encouragement for our listeners for this podcast? Yeah, I think just when you think about um, what to fast, don't be so like black and white and, well, I'm going to fast alcohol or I usually fast, I don't know, sweets or um, coffee because I don't want to rely on caffeine. Um, But think, think, you know, think about things like, you know, let's kind of be creative about it. Like, okay, I'm going to fast being being selfish. I'm going to be less selfish. Well, what would that look like? <laughs> things that actually mount to something more than, yes, I'm doing this today. Yes, today I, you know, I didn't drink any coffee and it was hard. Yes, I feel like I'm getting somewhere. Instead of fasting for the sake of fasting, let's fast for the sake of fullness. Mm. Be less selfish, okay? Not just share a candy bar (laughs) or not just share, like, I don't know, like a great outfit link or, you know, or a sale link. But, like, how how for the gospel can I be less selfish? Mm. And I think that we could kind of formulate that creatively so that it propels us towards the fullness of the gospel, you know? So, yeah, as you're thinking about that, I know that we're um, coming into um, the liturgy and the time of Lent. I think it begins, I believe, Tuesday, um, if I'm not mistaken, tomorrow. Um, Think about it that way. Like, God, how can I be more like you how can i become more like you how can i turn more to you so that it turns others more to you as well and in order for that to happen how can i fast and i'm telling you like 40 days will be rewarding will it it will not just be um like wow i fasted 40 days i did this lent i didn't give up more than that you will be filled you and i will be filled with fullness of knowing that we lived for for the voice of God working through our life for the sake of others, also knowing the voice and the love of God. Like, it will mount to something so joyful, mm-hmm. I think. And it's okay for fasting to be that joyful, even suffering, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I guess, like, don't think so. What's the word? Um how can I suffer for Christ? Yeah, yeah. But make your suffering worth it, like for the sake of others. How? And I think it's it's time to do that. I think people are understanding that this 
gospel is not just for me. Being blessed is not just for me. So how could we do it for the sake of others while benefiting from it so that we grow nearer to Christ? Well, then how will my nearness affect and benefit others? Mm. Stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely going to be mindful of that because, you know, I have a propensity to just uh, eliminate uh, physical, tangible, I guess, things that I rely on in my life. But I do think that purposefulness imbued with the practice of Lent. Um, it's exciting to think about what that would look like for the gospel witness with our church and I, hopefully at the church at large to be mindful of what God has in store through being mindful and intentional of um, mission through that way. Yeah. I love that Joe purpose imbued. Ah, thanks. Yes. <laughs> Especially for you. Cause you love to suffer. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> you love to like gain another pound to your weight so that what you could like live more and feel more pain. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I guess I, 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 mean, I see a reason for it, but <laughs> I guess it could be boiled down to suffering uh, just for suffering's sake. I, I guess, I guess there is that. Um, but yeah, again, thank you so much for this conversation, Pastor Lydia. Uh, what a great way to end the series and um, to have these conversations with you about what the gospel mission really looks like how to break out of our spiritual bubbles and how to really engage with the renewal that God has in mind uh, for us as Christians and believers. And with that, uh, I just want to encourage everybody to share, like we were saying in this podcast, the sermon, um, this, this uh, podcast as well with your friends, uh, those who God placed in your heart and your mind to reach out to. Um, and yeah, looking forward to this Lent season with everybody as well as we uh, fast for fullness. Um, And yeah, with that, we'll say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. And thanks for listening. You said, ask and you will receive. Whatever you need You said Pray and I'll hear from heaven And I'll heal your land You said Your glory will fill the earth Like water the sea up your eyes the harvest is here the kingdom is near you said ask and I'll give the nations to you oh lord that's the cry of my heart distant shores and the islands will see your light as it rises on us You said Ask and you will
heads for the benediction and welcome the spirit the living spirit to tear open our bubbles so that we can become the light and the healing the world needs in Christ may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore all God's people say amen love you guys
Miss you. See you soon. Hey, 180. I'm in Lee here. Ash Wednesday is coming up on February 17th, which will officially begin Lent. What is Lent? It is a season of reflection and preparation before the celebration of Easter. And what's Easter? It's the day Jesus resurrected, in effect, becoming the Savior to mankind. What is mankind? As is tradition here in 180, we encourage our church members to fast during the 40 days of Lent. It's not a limit of food, but it can be anything you feel convicted to give up. For example, it could be video games, social media, or even gossip. Whatever it is, it's for the purpose of connecting more deeply to the Lord. I know a lot of us dread Lent because who likes to willingly give things up, right? But in my experience over the years, it's actually become something I look forward to because fasting really it, it puts things to focus and it draws us closer to Christ. For me, I most likely plan on giving up my phone. To be honest, I've been glued to it since lockdown started. I mean, I'm looking at it right now, so I'll finally be glad to look at something else for a change. You know, live life. I know Jenny's gonna be happy about that. Right, Jenny? Yeah, get off the phone. <laughs> well, we also encourage our members to not just give up something, but to take up a spiritual discipline to replace it. It could be prayer or journaling or reading the Bible. Any practice that will help amplify the voice of God. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, "I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, not half, not three quarters, the full." And that's the real purpose of Lent. It's to practice fasting so that we can learn, grow, and be empowered to live as Christ intended. A life filled with His presence and purpose, which is to join His mission of reaching others for Christ. You know, this recent sermon series—it's been about our bubbles, and I think fasting is a great way to break out of them. All right, so here are some key dates: Ash Wednesday, February 17th, like I said, the first Sunday service of Lent, February 21st, Palm Sunday, which is the Sunday before Easter when Jesus triumphantly entered Jerusalem. That's March 28th. Good Friday. This is the day Jesus was crucified. That's going to be on April 2nd, and of course, everything's going to culminate in a huge celebration on Easter Sunday, the day Jesus resurrected, which is on April 4th. So I hope you'll join the church in fasting and taking up a new spiritual discipline. We encourage you to post about your progress on social media and tag 180 Church so we can all follow along, we can all cheer each other on. All right, so that's it for me. I miss you guys. I can't wait to see everyone again. I can't believe it's been eight years since we last met in church. Luca's already going to college. Bye, guys. Happy Lent. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Stu Still. I'm a member here at 180 Church, and we want to thank you all for joining us for today's Sunday service. Before we finish up today, we have some community news that we just want to share with everyone, starting with tithes and offering. For all of our members, we just want to remind and encourage you to continue to keep God at the center of your finances by tithing faithfully. You can make your offering through Venmo at Church 180. You can make an offering through Chase Quick Pay at Offering at 180 Church TV. Or if you'd like to make your offering through PayPal, you can follow the link on our website at 180 Church TV. If you are a visitor here, we want to welcome you. And if you felt blessed by today's service and you feel led to make an offering. You're more than welcome to do so at any of those methods. Our next announcement is about our prayer text hotline, which you can find at 5397prayer or at prayer at 180church.tv. And this is a great resource for those moments when we feel like we need some support and some prayer, not only for ourselves but for our family members, our coworkers, and all of our loved ones. Our prayer team is there, ready, willing, and able to lift up your prayers. So just send them along. Again, it's five three nine seven prayer or prayer at one eighty church dot tv.
And when you feel like God has moved in those areas, make sure you send them a praise request as well so that we can all celebrate what God is doing in your life. Our next announcement is about small group, which is smaller pockets of our community where we come together to discuss the Sunday sermon, to really see and encourage each other where God is leading us, and to really just do life together with one another. Because even though we're still social distancing, community is still a vital part of our lives. And this is a great place where you can find that. All of our groups are meeting virtually right now, so no matter what group and what stage of life you're in, or where you are located, we have a group that would be perfect for you. If you're interested in joining a group, you can email Pastor Billy at billykim.180 at gmail.com. Our next announcement is about all the different ways that we can stay connected with each other online throughout the week. First, we have our Bible reading group, which you can find on Instagram and Tumblr at 180BRG. And this is a great resource where we read just a chapter of the Bible every day so we can start that discipline of having God's Word consistently in our life. We also have all the different ways that you can keep up to date with everything happening with 180 Church. We have our church Instagram page at 180 Church. You can also find our church Facebook page at 180 Church. And you can find us on YouTube at 180 Church NYC. And these three places are the best place to find out all the things that are going on with us, all of our upcoming events, to check out our Sunday sermon premieres, and to catch up on all of our past events and our past Sunday sermons. We also have the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and Friends, hosted by Pastor Lydia and Joe Liu. It features an in-depth conversation on Sunday sermon, where they share their insights on the message and where the message is helping us in our journey with Christ. And speaking of Dr. Sammy, you can find his Twitter page at Dr. Sammy Kim, where he shares all kinds of articles and great insight, again, helping us on our journey with Christ. Next, we have the virtual 180 Cafe on Discord, which is a great way for all of us here to keep in touch with one another. There you can share what's going on in your life and join a conversation about gardening and gaming, about sports and entertainment, basically anything that you can think of. It's a great way for all of us to stay in touch with one another, both on your computer and on your mobile device. And lastly, if you've been blessed by our Sunday worship, led by Pastor Lydia, you can visit the 180 Church Studios on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Here you'll find a playlist of all the worship songs we've featured every Sunday, and it's perfect for when you want to immerse yourself in worship during the week. That's all of our community news. Once again, we want to thank everyone for joining us this Sunday, and we hope to see you again soon.